Well, hey, church, here we go again. This is the second, if you're keeping track, the second uh, potential Snow Sunday video sermon. And so part of me is kind of hoping that you don't end up watching this tomorrow because part of me is hoping that the storm's not going to be as bad as uh, they think it might be and that we're all here together tomorrow morning. Uh, but if not, if we have another Snow Sunday, then here is uh, the sermon for this Sunday, and thanks again for checking in with us and watching this and uh, sharing it, uh, sharing the link with other people and getting other people to watch. Uh, we were just talking in-house here a minute ago about how many of you uh, watched this the last time that we did it, so good job. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, here we go. So if I had a full church uh, this morning, I was going to begin my message with how many of you have ever had a near-death experience? And then I was going to ask, how many of you wish you were having one right now? Which might have got me a little bit of laughter in the room, but you're not here to laugh. So it's just, it's just James and I, and he never laughs at my jokes. Uh, I can think of at least three times that I thought I was on my way to see Jesus. One of those times was on a missions trip to Mozambique, Africa. And I've been to Mozambique a couple of times. Uh, the Wesleyan Church has a thriving Bible college there. Uh, right on the um, right on the Indian Ocean, Shai Shai, Mozambique. Look it up. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. And uh, the Wesleyan Church is thriving. They're planting new churches every week, and uh, people are people are coming to Jesus uh, literally by the hundreds on a weekly basis. And uh, and it's just explosive. Very very exciting. So uh, we got to Mozambique, and we had uh, two vehicles. Uh, for our team, two, two SUVs full of men on this trip. And uh, the vehicle that I was in was towing a trailer full of ceramic tiles. So you got an SUV full of these men, all of our luggage, and then a trailer loaded full of heavy ceramic tiles. And um, we, we were approaching this narrow bridge and there was a turn right before you got to the bridge. And so we, we come around this corner, and there's a vehicle coming towards us in the, in, you know, in the other lane, vehicle approaching us in the other lane. And just as we're turning to go onto the bridge, a bus pulls out to pass that car uh, and, and comes right at us in our lane. So here we are, this SUV full of men, this trailer full of heavy tiles, we're traveling about 50 miles an hour and on a corner on a narrow bridge and there's a bus that pulls out to pass another car. And here's the exact thought that went through my mind. This is a stupid way to die. That's a, that I, I remember it as clear as anything. I just thought, this is, this is a dumb way to die. And my body's going to be strewn out all over this, this, the banks of this river in Mozambique for the snakes and the crocodiles to, to clean up. And this is not how I thought my life would end. And one of the men in our vehicle, he, he just, when he saw the bus, and, and it, he shouted out, Jehovah, Jehovah. And he was, he was not a charismatic dude, but he, he, he got charismatic real fast in that moment. And then uh, one of the, you know, tough guys in our group um, just put his head down between his knees. And that's how he intended to go see Jesus. And uh, all we know is that the next time that we, that we looked up, 
we were on the other side of that bridge somehow. And our driver, uh, Ori, uh, who was a lifelong missionary, he, he could not explain to us how we ended up on the other side of that bridge. Nobody knows how we made it. So later on, we were relaying this story back to Canada and telling everybody what had happened. And we found out that one of the ladies in our church, uh, she was awakened in the middle of the night to pray for us. And so she got up in the middle of the night and got down on her knees by her bed, and she prayed for us. And so we got asking, uh, you know, when was that? What night was that? What time was that? We did the math and everything, and we figured out that she was praying for us at exactly the this, this same time that we were crossing that bridge. And uh, so anyhow, that's, that's one of my near-death experiences, which uh, brings me to this question. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when the need for a miracle is great, but your options are few? And if, if this, we're, we're in a series here at Moncton Wesleyan called, called Beautiful Things. And if, if this theme starts to sound like a recurring theme around here, there's a good reason for that. It's a recurring theme. That's why. Uh, you think, well, haven't I been hearing a lot about this? Yeah, you have. And it's intentional. And God has laid it on my heart uh, for this season in, of our church uh, for a reason. And you are either in a valley right now, or you're just coming out of a valley, or you're headed for a valley. And we all need hope. And our city needs hope. Your friends and your family need hope. We need to be reminded and maybe even awakened to the fact that God can speak into any situation. And he can cause beautiful things to happen in our lives. Impossible is not a dead end with God. Impossible is where God does his best work. So in Mark chapter 5, we see a man whose worst nightmare is coming true. His 12-year-old daughter is dying. They've tried everything. They're losing time and losing hope. And in their darkest moment, they hear that this traveling rabbi, Jesus, is coming to their community. They've heard stories of, of his teaching, and they've heard stories of his healing. And maybe, just maybe, they can invite Jesus into their home to save their daughter. So it's Mark chapter 5. I'll show my age by putting on my glasses. And um, it's, it's quite a long text. It's verses 21 all the way to 43. But I've got to read the whole story for us to get the right context. And so here we go. Mark 5 verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. 
And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Verse 30. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and he asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave and took the, took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. And holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. Then he told them to give her something to eat. Most theologians and historians agree that Mark was likely an interpreter and secretary to Peter. So when we read the book of Mark, it's most likely that we're reading these events the way that Peter remembered them and and gave them to Mark to record. Um, Just a little pause here and let me give you a little advertising. After Easter, I'm going to do a series of Bible studies uh, here at the church. Uh, We're going to do it Wednesday nights in the Life Center. Uh, Going to do it four nights, April 8th, 15th. 22nd and 29th and we're going to study the book of mark and so just throwing that out there so you can plan to be with us in the life center wednesday nights a bible study pastor jay is going to lead worship and i'm going to teach the bible study and uh four wednesday nights in the month of april looking forward to it if you back up earlier in this chapter of uh, chapter five of mark You get the scene of Jesus and his disciples crisscrossing the Sea of Galilee, doing ministry, and the crowds are really starting to build. Now, the Sea of Galilee is a large lake. It's 21 kilometers wide and 13 kilometers long, and it's sourced by the Jordan River that runs straight through it, and it's about 160 kilometers north of Jerusalem. Mark says that they crossed the lake, stepped out onto the shore, and and another large crowd gathered around Jesus. Large crowds are always interested in the real Jesus. Jesus is the best way to lead people to Jesus. Not lights, not projectors, or or coffee. And I, I like all of those things. They're helpful, but what people really need is to see and encounter the real Jesus and follow him as their savior. It's good for people to, to, to hear about your enthusiasm for your church. That's great, 
but, but as you're sharing your enthusiasm for your church and things like that and all the, all the great stuff that's happening, it always needs to, your story always needs to tie back into who Jesus is and what he's doing in your life. When, when we invite people to church, when we invite people um, to Moncton Wesleyan, we're not, we're not inviting them just to, to attend another meeting or to, to, to attend a group. We're not inviting them to become a Wesleyan. People don't need more to do in their lives. We're inviting people to experience Jesus, to find hope, to find answers. Okay, back to uh, verse 22. Back to verse 22. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. So Jairus is a prominent, well-known, educated, wealthy man in the community. And he goes to Jesus. He walks into the crowd where he can find Jesus. And he, Jairus realizes that his, his need is too big for him. He doesn't have all the answers. And he's not too proud to admit that he needs help. He's not too proud to reach out to Jesus. You know, one of our core values here at Moncton Weston, we, our core values are out in the lobby. They're, they're up on the pillars. They're, they're in bright colors out there in the lobby. And one of our core values here at Moncton Wesleyan is that we are bold. We're bold. And we want to see people come boldly into this place right here, boldly into this auditorium, right into the crowd like Jairus did on that day, right into the crowd and not be afraid to say, I need Jesus. Verse 22 says, when he saw Jesus, when, when Jairus saw Jesus, God, help us, help us, Moncton Wesleyan, to help more people see Jesus. Make us a people and make this a place where Jesus can be found. When you find Jesus, you don't care, what you, you don't care about what you look like or what others are thinking you just, you just, when you find Jesus, you just respond to him out of worship and you fall at his feet. Verse 23, pleading fervently with him. Jairus is pleading fervently with Jesus. His daughter is dying. He's a desperate man. He loves his daughter and he doesn't want to see his daughter die unnecessarily if there's something that Jesus can do. He hasn't given up hope. And I want to encourage you today Do not give up hope. Don't give up hope for whatever it is in your life that might be dying. It might be a a marriage. It might be a job. It might be a financial situation. It might be a relationship. It might be a dream. Whatever it is, if you feel like it's dying, I want to encourage you to not give up hope today and to bring that situation to Jesus, to fall at his feet and to plead fervently for that situation. Jairus realizes that Jesus is his only hope. Jesus is your hope only hope. And the sooner you realize that, the better. You'll save yourself and everyone around you a ton of heartache. We need God to to break us of our pride and our selfishness and our arrogance and our sufficiency until we come to a place of full surrender and humility and brokenness. Where we come to a place of of realizing and just just admitting, just saying, look, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough, I'm not cute enough, I'm not t- 
tough enough. I can't talk my way out of this one. I need to recognize Jesus as, as my source, as the healer, as the deliverer. And I need to cast all of my cares on him and invite him to come into my home, into my desperation, into something that seems like it is on its last breath. Because Jesus is the giver of life and he can make beautiful things come out of hopeless situations. She's not dead yet. There's still time. When he finds Jesus, when Jairus finds Jesus, he finds hope. If he can just get Jesus to to lay his hands on his dying daughter, he has the faith to believe that she will be healed. This is really remarkable when you consider who who Jairus is as a leader of the synagogue. And Jairus is, is willing to risk all of that, willing to risk everything, by, by breaking through the crowd that day and professing his faith in Jesus, he, he would have caused the entire community to, to, to wonder about their own faith and the things that they believe to be true up to this point. He would have caused people to think, well, well, what about the temple where Jairus is a leader? What about the Jewish religion? What about everything that we've been taught to believe up to this point? We have, we have people in this church right here, in Moncton Wesleyan Church. We have people right here from, from every faith background imaginable. And sometimes when you're, when you're trying to explain to your family, you know, why, when your family's asking you, well, well, why are you going to that church? Why are you worshiping uh, at the Wesleyan Church? And maybe this will help you. Uh, it's not about the name on the outside of the building. It's about the name of Jesus inside of us. Maybe that will help you as you explain to people why why you're coming here to worship. Mark tells us that uh, on their way to a life and death situation, Jesus and Jairus and the crowd start moving towards Jairus' home. And on their way to a life and death situation, they get interrupted by somebody else's pressing need. Now imagine for a moment that you're Jairus. And you've been watching your daughter die. And, and you've been, been the, the whole situation has just been deteriorating. And you've tried everything. And you finally see Jesus. And you invite Jesus to come into your home to do a miracle in your family. And you're leading Jesus back into your house with this huge processional, this huge crowd of people. I mean, Jairus' hope is probably building in him as he's walking back to his home with Jesus. He's probably thinking, man, is my wife ever going to be proud of me? You know, look what I've done. Like I found the healer and he's coming to my house. And, And Jairus did what all of us should do. He sought out Jesus. He found Jesus. And he invited Jesus into his darkest situation. We Back that up. Back that up. Jairus did what all of us should do. He sought out Jesus and he found Jesus and he invited Jesus into his darkest situation. And on the way home to save his daughter's life, he gets held up by someone else who thinks they need a piece of Jesus. Now imagine you're Jairus. How are you feeling about that person right now? Seriously? Seriously, my daughter might die because you just have to get a piece of Jesus. Verse 20, 
28. Verse 28. For this, the sick woman who breaks through the crowd, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. If I can just touch his robe. Let's go a little deeper here for, for a minute. Deep people. Deep people who you know always wish that Sunday mornings would go deeper. And they wish that the teaching uh, would, would be deeper. You're, you're going to love this. By the way, by the way, let me just say this. Deep isn't a level of learning about Jesus. Deep is a level of serving for Jesus. So you really want to go deep. You know, if you're really one of those kinds of people who's just, well, I'm just looking for something deeper. Deep is not a level of learning about Jesus. That's information. Deep is a level of serving for Jesus. That's transformation. Just throwing that in, free of charge. Uh, so, so, but just for a second here, let's, let's go, go deep just for a second. How much faith do you need to come to Jesus? That's, that's my question. How much faith do you need to come to Jesus? How much Jesus do you need to see before you believe in him as your savior? How much faith do you need to have faith in Jesus? I think just enough. I think Mark teaches us you need just enough. We see in the New Testament people who have great doubts coming to Jesus. We see people like Jairus who had a lot of faith in God, but they were new to Jesus and they come to him. Uh, We see people who ask questions. They they have a lot of questions and then they come to Jesus. Sometimes uh, Jesus speaks directly into someone's life and then they decide to follow Jesus. Or like Paul, sometimes they've been running from Jesus, running away from Jesus. And then there's this critical trigger event. Something happens where they undeniably come face to face with the real Jesus. And then they decide to follow him. However people come to him, whether it's a religious leader who falls at his feet. Or a sick woman who has suffered for many years. Following Jesus always requires faith. And you need just enough faith to reach out into a crowd and take hold of as much of him as you possibly can. Even if it's just the edge of his garment as he passes by. Well, the two people in this story, Jairus and the sick woman, they they approach Jesus differently. They have different types of needs. They have different experiences different levels of exposure to Jesus, or we could say different depths of their encounter with Jesus, but they have equal faith. All this woman needs is a, just, just a piece of Jesus, just a, just a pinch of Jesus. She's not looking for a face-to-face encounter. She's not looking to stop traffic and to cause a scene and fall at his feet. She'll never shock people with her position in the community. In, in fact, uh, this sick woman was, was the, the complete, total opposite uh, of, in the community as, of Jairus as you could get. Like if Jairus was on one end of respect, this woman was the complete, total opposite end of that spectrum. As far opposite as you could get. As you could get. She's a woman. She's a sick woman. She's a poor, sick woman with an unclean issue of blood. And in that culture, in in this culture that she lived in, technically because of her illness, 
She shouldn't have even been in that crowd. If she was in that crowd and touching other people, she was making anybody that she touched, she was making them unclean too. But like Jairus, she believes that Jesus is the answer. She believes that he's, he's worth the risk. And her faith leads her out into the risk zone where she receives a miracle. And there's a, there's a principle in here for each one of us today. When you need God to do something that only God can do, he might ask you to do something that you never thought you could do. This is the principle of this this woman stepping out into the risk zone and going for Jesus. Here's that principle. I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you again. When you need God to do something that only God can do, he might ask you to do something that you never thought you could do. He might lead you where he needs you. We often think of, of what we require from God without asking God, what do, what do you require of me? What do you require of me? Okay, verse 33. Verse 33. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Jesus knew that, that uh, someone had, had touched his robe in a way that power went out from him. And he stops the, the processional to Jairus' home and he says, somebody touched me. And the disciples are like, well, yeah, uh, no kidding. There's a giant crowd. And, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. Someone, power went out from me. Somebody, somebody touched me for the purpose of healing. And, and uh, so in verse 33, the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what happened to her, he, she comes and falls to her knees in front of Jesus and tells him what she had done. You can't have a hit-and-run experience with Jesus. He's not, uh, Jesus is not break glass in case of emergency. And, and so he doesn't want her to just have this hit, quick hit-and-run. He wants her to, to really have an encounter, to really have an experience, to meet him face-to-face. He wants to meet her. And so now, like Jairus, now she falls at the feet of Jesus. And, and this, this is worship. Following Jesus, it's not just a decision that you make. It's, it's a lifestyle that you choose. You fall at his feet when you meet him. You fall at his feet when you need him. And you fall at his feet every day for the rest of your life. That's worship. And so while this woman is having her life restored, Jairus' daughter dies. Why am I? God, why am I still waiting for my answer to prayer while they get theirs? Why isn't God meeting my need right now? Why does my life keep keep getting these interruptions and these unexpected twists? Why does God allow me to get to the, the very bottom, the very edge of my breaking point, the very end of my resources? You see, for, for Jairus... Things got worse before they get better while he watches someone else get better before they get worse. And you might be feeling that way. Maybe there's times when you felt that way, when you feel like, you know, why, 
Why are things getting worse for me before they get better? While everyone else, it seems that things are getting better before they get worse. In my encouragement to you today from Mark chapter 5 is this. That even if your situation looks dead, even if you think it is dead, even if your friends are telling you it's dead, even if you show up with Jesus and they laugh in your face, go all gyrus on your situation and don't give up unless God tells you to give up. You just keep following Jesus. And listening to Jesus and inviting Jesus through your front door and right past all of your friends and your family and right into the very heart of your deepest, darkest situation. And you let him take that situation by the hand and let him speak words of life into the very thing that everyone else gave up on. Let Jesus speak into your life. Let him speak hope into your hopelessness. Let him resurrect your dreams and cause your friends to be overwhelmed and totally amazed. It's verse 42. Verse 42. The girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. And Mark says they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. He overwhelms us with his power and he amazes us with his grace. When was the last time that you were overwhelmed and amazed? With Jesus. Let me pray with you today. God, I just come to you uh, today and thank you, Lord, for the person who's watching this sermon. And God, I ask that you would just speak, speak to their heart, speak to their life, show them, Lord, who you really are, help them to see you clearer than ever before. God, I pray that whatever, whatever their situation is, whatever it is in their life that might seem hopeless, that might seem like it's, it's, it's gone or it's almost gone or it's almost dead, God, I pray that you would help them to not give up hope. I pray, God, that you would help them to, to seek you out, to find you, to fall at your feet, and to invite you into their darkest situation. I pray, God, that you would help us to to not give up, to never lose hope, to trust that you are going to hear our cry and answer our prayer and resurrect those things that seem dead in our lives. So, Lord, as we surrender these things to you, as we invite you to come in and uh, walk right past the the crowd of, of scoffers and those who might even laugh, at Jesus in our lives. God, as we invite you into the darkest places of our lives and say, God, would you lay your hands on this situation? Would you speak life into this situation? Lord, I just pray that you would help us to to trust you more and to believe that anything is is possible with you. And so, God, we we, uh, invite you to come and change us, to, to transform our lives and to do miracles in our lives that only you can do. Lord, I want to pray today for anyone who's watching this who uh, does not yet know you as their Savior. And how great it would be, Lord, if we, if we found out after the fact that someone was watching this, this message today. And this is the moment when they chose to, to follow you as their Savior. And just as I, I mentioned in this sermon, Lord, that following Jesus is not just a decision that I make. It's a lifestyle that I choose. It's, it's saying that this is the way I'm going to to live the rest of my life. I'm not just going to fall at his feet in this moment. I'm going to fall at his feet 
all day, every day for the rest of my life. And so if that's you today, if you're watching this online, I encourage you to just simply pray a prayer like this, just saying, Jesus, I believe that you are God's son. And I want to invite you to come into my life today and be my savior. And I am saying right now in this moment that I will live for you. I will follow you. I will serve you as my Lord and Savior and King for the rest of my life. Jesus, would you come deep into my life, into the darkest places, into the, those rooms where, where, where uh, there are situations there, God, that, that others might have said were dead. God, would you come into every area of my life and resurrect and make me a brand new person today and bring healing into my life and bring freedom into my life and bring forgiveness into my life. And uh, God, I just thank you for, for uh, giving me this opportunity, watching this sermon online today, uh, to, to know you and believe in you and trust you as my Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before you click stop and, and move on to something else, I just want to say that uh, uh, Easter is obviously coming up. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say we're not going to have a snowstorm on Easter Sunday morning. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that we're doing to help you, to equip you, to invite for Easter, uh, we're doing up thousands of door hangers. And we're going to ask every single person who calls this church their church, we're going to ask you to adopt your street, to adopt your neighborhood, to be praying for your neighbors, to be praying for your street, your community. And then we're going to give you uh, as many of these door hangers that you want. And then we're going to ask you to pray over them. And then we're going to ask you to actually, to literally go through your community and simply hang one of those uh, uh, invitations on a door handle or something like that, or a mailbox in your community as a way of inviting people uh, to Easter. So we're hoping to have those next Sunday, and just want you to know that those are coming, and they don't do any good hanging around the church here in boxes. They only work if you take them with you. So uh, look forward to that next Sunday. Uh, Thanks again for watching. Thanks again. God bless you. Take care.